0: I believe the way things are is not the way things have to be. We'll only really make things better when we all come together, when we all work together, when we all join together, when we work out that we're all in this together.
1: I'm telling you, you can't play politics with people's jobs and with people's services.
0: Hello and welcome to the Centre Think Tank's podcast in conversation. As always, I'm your host, Will Barber-Taylor, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Tim Burns from Sustran, member of the Sustrans team, to speak about their work. Sustrans partially operates the National Cycle Network and focuses on encouraging cycling, walking and other forms of active transport. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Hey, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you on. Now, the first question um, I'd like to ask is how can the government encourage people to take up forms of active transport, such as walking and cycling? Is it about awareness or are there also infrastructure improvements that could be made to encourage more
1: people to be more active? Personally, I'd steer away from awareness. I think I, I mean, awareness is important, but ultimately, if we're going to change the way people travel, um, we need to make it more attractive. Uh, For people to walk, to wheel, to cycle, um, than to use other forms of transport. So that's all about changing the the environment, primarily. Mm -hmm. Um, So infrastructure, as you suggest, making cycling safe, uh, making walking more inclusive, more accessible, using other tools. So, for example, spatial planning and thinking about how we design neighborhoods so things are closer to where people live. Um, and people have the choice to be able to walk wheel cycle uh, to the, to those events but yeah ultimately it's about creating a really nice environment that is attractive convenient safe inclusive uh, for anyone to to, to, to walk wheel on, and cycle within you know alongside that there are other programs uh, that we run that other organizations run that encourage and support people um which which in, you know involve uh, awareness. Um, but take it much more further than that. They're, they're more focused on how do you actually change someone's behaviour. So, an exa- a good example of that is the, the government's um, cycle access or cycle to work program that um, offers financial support to access a, a bike, um, and that you know has has proven to be you know a, a huge success in terms of its uptake and, and the number of users that now um, can afford to, to to purchase a cycle and 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 use that um, not just. To and from work, but for, for other day to day journeys or recreational use, you know, on 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 and around their ba- basic lives. So yeah, it's it's about giving people the tools, training, incorporating a kind of social element to it. A lot a lot of people love to go for walks, um, or or, or cycles as as part of a group. So it's you know things like um, encouraging and setting up uh, groups, um, especially for marginalised people. So disadvantaged and marginalised people in, in particular may need extra support in terms of training, financial advice, that sort of thing. So, yeah, a combination of making sure we've got lovely places to walk, wheel, cycle within um, and the support where it's required to to access the tools, the training, give people the confidence uh, to be able to go out and, and walk, wheel, and cycle for everyday journeys or for recreation in their name.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, now, an aim uh, that Sustrans has put forward is to create accessible routes. For those with disabilities, using your routes, um, how have you made the National Cycle Network more accessible? And are there any lessons that we can learn more generally when creating areas for active travel,
1: uh, which are accessible to everyone? Great question. I think um, stepping back slightly from the National Cycle Network, and um, you know, Sustrans uh, is is a social as well as an environmental charity, mm-hmm. um, and part of our, part of the heart of everything that we do is about increasing equity. Across society, um, and enabling quite simply people to access the things that they need to live well, um, and the role that walking, wheeling, and cycling can play to to, to do that. Um, so, we, as an organisation, you know, we're a, we're a large charity working across the UK, um, but we're not necessarily representative of all people within the UK and uh, disabled people, whilst. Many disabled people work for Sustrans. We're not representative of all. So one of the things that we've tried to do more and more of over the years is amplify the voices of of of, of people with that direct lived experience um, that are clearly best placed to be able to identify and share their lived experience, that the barriers that they face, the, the and, and, and work with us to develop solutions to overcome those. One example of that recently was um, a piece of work that we did in partnership with Transport for All, which is a disabled person's organization called the Disabled Citizens Inquiry. So it was a big inquiry that basically put the voices of disabled people at the forefront of making. We worked with a whole variety of different disabled people using a pan-impairment approach. So, so not just focusing in on one particular health condition or impairment, but actually bringing uh, different people together with different health conditions to understand, share, learn from each other um, how we could make the environment better for them. Uh, specifically focused on walking, um, walking and wheeling. So it was a it was a fantastic opportunity and a really real kind of privilege to be involved in that in that 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 piece of research um, that included citizens assemblies, taking people out to, and onto the streets and actually seeing firsthand what was going on. Um, and, uh, making sure that the results and the su- suggestions, the solutions posed by disabled people, um, were representative across the whole of the UK for a, for, a, for a nationwide survey. And we found, you know, some real clear barriers that existed for disabled people. I think 41% of people, uh, said two fifths in accessibility barriers. Um, in addition to that, there was a whole suite of suggestions. That they made, and we worked with stakeholders in the government to, to fine tune them and make sure that they were ready for, for policy. So, for example, banning pavement parking, uh, thinking about um, the rise of electric vehicle charging points, and the fact that we need to better design those so they don't get in the way of people using the pavement. Improving crossing points was 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 a big uh, was a big point. Um, proximity again and, and, and thinking about disabled people's needs when it comes to ensuring that things are, are, are within a walkable distance and, and the sorts of services and amenities and the accessibility of those um, for uh, for disabled people, um, right through to things that were much more specific about the National Cycle Network, um, as, as per your original question. So, you know, how are we making the National Cycle Network more accessible from that and from, from everything else that we do at what well, Our vision for the network um, which was laid out three or four years ago for a strategy called Paths for Everyone is all about making the network more inclusive. It's not about extending the network, which I think we've been focusing on you know, uh, before, you know, the number of kilometers, miles of, of walking, cycling um, uh, paths, routes that are available. It was to really kind of throw that away and start again, focused on, on you know, how do we make sure that network is fully accessible to, to a disabled person? Or to a twelve-year-old uh, child, and that's that's entailed actually taking some parts away from the network. It's it's entailed removing barriers. It's entailed um, getting our volunteers to audit up and down the country, miles and miles of cycle and walking in infrastructure to identify what those issues are and how and start to think about how we can overcome those. As you said, you know, sustrans um, is is in effect the custodians of the National Cycle Network. We don't own it. Um, we don't own the land or the vast majority of land that the network is, is, is um, placed upon. So all of that work has to be done in partnership with local authorities, with national governments to get the funding, with uh, the public to support us, with our volunteers um, across the country and, and with private landowners as well. So sometimes taking out those barriers, redesigning, and uh, the network is, is relatively straightforward, and sometimes it's, it's a much bigger challenge because of other concerns. So, you know, that's that's our aim. Uh, we've got um, reports that show that we're on the right track, um, but there is a whole lot more to do. And um, yeah, some really exciting activities coming down through uh, in, in the, in the not, not too distant future to, to really kind of make the network more accessible, especially for disabled people. And we work with disabled people to do that, of course, <laughs> both within the inquiry and, and beyond.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, You're currently campaigning against funding cuts for active travel. Um, What impact do you feel these cuts will have? And what do you feel the government could do to support
1: active travel? Taking those in order. The the cuts, so what's been cut is uh, in March, 9th of March uh, this year, uh, there was an announcement to cut uh, dedicated capital funding in the main active travel by around 230 million pounds. Uh, so that's for this year and for and for next year, which are the the last two years of the current kind of five-year um, strategy uh, for walking and cycling, the cycling and walking investment stru- uh, strategy. So that's that's what that's what's being cut. Dedicated funding for walking and cycling is really important because we know roughly where it's being spent, what outcomes it's producing. Um, and how it's making a difference. There are other avenues to fund um, walking and cycling, like the High Streets Fund, uh, the Sounds Fund, etc. But it's it's much harder to to um, to really kind of strategically uh, uh, make all of those funding pots sort of work together and, and and so the dedicated funding is really important. And of course, capital funding is really important because it's back to what I was saying at the start about if you don't have the capital funding, you can't change the infrastructure to to to, to make places um, attractive and safe and convenient, et cetera. So, so really, really critical to put that in perspective. Last year, they received, um, 200 million this year, it will be down to 50 million and the following year it's 50 million again. So that's, um, obviously a substantial cut and, uh, and, and we'll lose out on, or many places across the country that have plans, long-term plans for improving walking and cycling, um, with obviously benefits to people's health and the local economy, um, and the environment Will now not be delivered through that, so there's there's a kind of you know immediate um, impact from from those cuts. But I think the longer term aspects to this are also really important. Um, You know, it's not just about those two years; it's about the fact that the sector is now going to have to shrink. In theory, Um, there's going to be less uh, funding going in, and we've never had, we've never really been in a position, sadly, in this country or pretty much anywhere in the UK, um, England, Scotland, Wales, or Northern Ireland, where we've had a dedicated long-term funding strategy for walking and cycling that gives authorities the understanding that this money is gonna come through and therefore the the ability to build and develop their teams, um, to develop the sector and the capability and the resources of the sector to kind of not just deliver over the next two years, which are incredibly important, but to use that as a platform for the following five years, which are going to be, you know, absolutely critical in the run-up towards, um, you know, our, our objectives for net zero um, and reducing carbon in particular. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's a real shame to see see that this has happened. It to, it does feel like um, money down the back of a sofa. When you look at the transport budget for England, it's about sixty-three billion. Um, so. You know, two hundred, two hundred and thirty million is is, is, is nothing in, in, in comparison to that. And uh, with with the you know the pressing needs of society from um, net zero, air quality, public health, um, uh, leveling up or reducing inequality, um, and of course the benefits that walking and cycling provides to the economy. So you know, it's it seems it's it's yeah, it's 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 a very difficult one to justify. Mm-hmm. Yet we'll have a, a real kind of absolutely critical impact at a critical time for a sector that was just starting to really kind of gain momentum and and create some really incredible changes um, off, off, the, off the back of a pandemic and and more. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's a real challenge. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Um, as car usage becomes more expensive, um, switching to walking or cycling may be a, a cheaper and greener alternative for many people.
1: How can the government support those? Who would like to make that switch? So again, you know, it's exactly what we were saying just before. You, you're cutting the funding that can support those to make mm-hmm. that switch. Um, in in essence, uh, you know, if 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 we right now, we, we know there's there's a, there's a lot of people that do not own cars, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore it's imperative that we improve walking and cycling, and it's imperative that we also improve public transport as well, and make sure that those uh, forms of you know all of that integrates all of that it's, it's self-reinforcing better public transport more walking better walking cycling better public transport and more journeys so if 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 the if the aim is to help people out of their cars for both short and long journeys we need to do a better job of you know really investing in those those alternatives um so we've got we've got people that don't a number of households that don't have access to cars and, and, and we've got an increasing number of households where um Call it transport poverty call it poverty call it um what you will living costs inflation cost of living crisis are all compounding on uh spending power of of, of citizens whatever the you know whether it's household bills mortgage transport etc and and any savings across that is going to be beneficial to people we know that of course um walking cycling uh, is far cheaper than, than both public transport and um, and, and of course driving. Um, so you know there are a number of people, and, and I think the stats are starting to suggest a switch towards more um, journeys cycled and less less driven over the over over the course of the the early kind of start of the cost of living crisis. Um, uh, how that pans out more recently is, is remains to be seen. But um, in 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 essence, we the government should be doing more to help that and of course not everyone can if you're if you're too scared to get on a you know on a cycle and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know share road space with motor vehicles buses lorries then you don't have that choice mm-hmm. um it doesn't exist and you have to continue driving and 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 we're seeing more and more people facing real struggles because of the cost of having to keep running the car and 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 not having those alternatives because we didn't design them in uh, over the last 50 70 years so yeah, it's a, it's a really tricky time for, for, for lots of people. I, th- I think um, our number one or one of our number one s- suggestions, especially in terms of the short term, is uh, to support people to access cycles um, that don't or cannot access um, a bike through the uh, existing cycle bike scheme. So anyone that's self-employed doesn't have access. Anyone, of course, that's not in employment doesn't have access. Um, and anyone that's on a very low income because it's a salary sacrifice scheme and you can't go below the the national mm-hmm. living wage, also doesn't have access. So you're, it's a brilliant scheme as long as you can gain entry to it. But of course, people that are probably struggling the most um, in terms of the cost of, of continuing to run a car don't necessarily have the access to 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 to, to, to a bike through um, or, or have any financial support. And of course, yeah, cycles. Are getting more expensive. I think the average cost is is, is nearing uh, five hundred pounds uh, now. Um, there are cheaper options, but when you add in the locks and security aspects, a, a, alongside the fact that um, you know many people in those groups will live in more deprived communities where crime is highest, many of those people will live in flattered accommodation where you know secure cycle parking is much more challenging. Um, you know there is there is a lot to do to unlock. Um, cycle access and cycle security for, for those individuals, but, you know, providing financial support, um, I think there is a really good investment case for the benefits that that will bring from people being able to, um, you know, to, to, to access the things that they need, including work, education, and of course, um, save money that can be uh, spent um, else, else, elsewhere. Of course, that needs to go hand in hand in hand with improvements to public transport as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, making sure that public transport is affordable. Um, making sure that services Im- improve, um, don't just stop at 5. PM, you know, it's, it's absolutely critical, especially outside of the capital. Um, and of course more funding to improve walk Walking. Uh, there was, there are reports that have shown that, that, uh, pavement conditions declining, um, accessibility is poor, um, and we've overlooked walk-in, um, for, for many, many years. And we do need to get on and, 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 and make some changes there and, and, you know, provide dedicated funding. Uh, for 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 walking, um, so yeah, there's many many opportunities. Some are short term, some will take slightly longer. But you know, taking away funding rather than increasing funding in, in times of the cost of living crisis and increasing challenges to 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 run a, and afford to run a car, um, yeah, just doesn't make sense uh, to to us. Absolutely.
0: Um, one area um that we've mentioned throughout the the podcast is um Sustrans work. Um, with the National Cycle Network, uh, which is an organisation uh, you own 2% of, but um, you also help uh, landowners um, who own other parts of the network. Um, how easy has it been to work with the private landowners? And are there any improvements that you would suggest to the rest of the, the network in, in terms of accessibility and that kind of thing?
1: So, yeah, the so the National Cycle Network was set up 25 years ago or thereabouts. Um and in places it's brilliant, and in places it's not so good. Um, and we audited the network. We understand where uh, where the priorities are, um, and we're both in terms of um, uh, things like you know how how much is on roads and how safe are are, are those roads, and of course how accessible some of the traffic-free um, paths that we we um, support um, are. Um, yeah, so the two percent will refers to the land that we own um, as opposed to the network. I think the network is very much a partnership. And as I said, we're kind of act as a custodian for that, mm. working in partnership with other other um, authorities, landowners, et cetera. And, and, and some of those are brilliant to work with, um, and some of those are more challenging, as, as, of course, you'd find when you're working with m- multiple different um, actors. Uh, so, you know, for a lot of it, it's, it's the, the local authorities. Uh, so it will depend upon their political commitment and, and will to, to to deliver something. Um national highways also play a key role when the inter, uh the network intersects with uh the strategic road network and motorways. Um national rail, of course, also play quite a key role, especially in terms of some of the high higher profile um structures on the on the network. So, you know, old bridges is that sort of thing that that can be hugely costly to maintain. Um National Trust, again, another another big landowner that are very keen to to extend the network to their properties, etc. So there's 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 large players that tend to be a bit bit easier, and then you've got a whole multitude of small private landowners and individuals. Um, in effect, um, how we work with them is always going to have to be in partnership. We can't deliver something unless they're supportive and, and unless they're, they're they're on board. So you know it is. Um, often compromise and, and trying to find a solution that, that meets their needs, as well as um, the needs of, of, of users of the network. Um, and, and of course there are long running concerns. And so if you, if you take something like accessibility and physical barriers on the network and there are uh, thousands, I think, still of chicanes and, and, and gates that are um, absolutely fine. If you've got a standard cycle, um, but a huge, huge challenge if you're trying to get a wheelchair or a mobility scooter or a, uh, a tricycle, a incumbent bike, cargo bike, um, through, uh, so, you know, we, our position is that the network should be open to everyone. But for that sort of circumstance, it is about working with the landowners to, to really kind of understand where their concerns lie in terms of removing those barriers and, and how we can address that in a way that opens accessibility either through the removal or the redesign of that barrier um, whilst at the same time addressing addressing their concerns. Um, a, lot of, a lot of those concerns around antisocial behaviour are kind of you know, long founded and, and the barriers don't necessarily make a huge amount of difference um, and actually can be quite scary from the point of view of um, almost locking you in the network as well. So yeah, uh, there's, there's multiple uh, challenges um, we are lucky that we've got teams around the country that have good relationships with a lot of the, the, the landowners that they work on a regular basis with, so that's that's really important and supportive. But you know, I'd, I'd be wrong to say that everyone is totally on hundred percent on board and, and supports what we're trying to achieve. Of course, but um, you know, I, th- I think there is also a lot of will, um, even even where there are concerns to um, to do the right thing. And of course, it's very very hard, especially on an accessibility basis, to kind of argue against. Um, against opening the network so you know it's it's going to take some time um but uh you know we've, we've made some good progress and and, and hopefully that will, will continue
0: mm-hmm. absolutely um well thank you for taking the time uh to speak to me uh tim we're coming towards uh, the end of the podcast but i do have one uh final question now obviously we've um discussed the the national cycle cycle network um quite a bit and i just wondered um is there any part of the national cycle network that you Personally, particularly like to use, or a part of it that you would most recommend to um, people, whether they be a an experienced cyclist or someone who's who's just started.
1: I think there's lots there's lots of different parts of the network that are exciting and beautiful and fun in very different ways. Um, you know, I'm 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 based down in Bristol uh, now. Um, ex ex Londoner, uh, like like most people it seems in Bristol. Um, but yeah, we, we have the, the very first path, the Bristol and Bath Railway path, um, where Sostrans all began um, in, a, in a kind of guerrilla style movement. Um, you know, taking that from an old, overgrown, uh, disused railway to, to, to a real kind of huge asset for, the, for both cities. Um, in fact, it's, it's a lovely path to uh, do a, a little day trip on the bike to, to, to Bath uh, from. It's also a very well used community route. Um, in, in in some respects, it's too well used, and 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 it shows that it needs to, you know, you can't just have one single path that does the job of everything. You do need to actually change the the roads and the rest of the city to support that and take some of the pressure away. Um, but it's it's it is a it's an example of a place that, as well as a route or a path, it's you know it, there are schools along it. There are. Parks along it. It's 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 used by children. It's um, you know, It is a it's it's an avenue for people to get uh, some greenery to get away from the noise and the hustle and bustle of the city. So from an urban perspective, it's it's a it's a it's a really great route um to to, to use. Despite you know the fact that it's almost suffering from its own success of, of so many people. We've made recent changes to that. That's that's helped to widen the path and soften some of the the, the you know the um. The, the kind of corners around it to to, to slow down people cycling and, and and see it as that kind of shared space where everyone has a bit of responsibility and and it's not just about people commuting from one end to the other. But there's there's also you know obviously amazing long distance routes and um, absolutely encourage anyone that that um, wants to get out there and 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 try um, try try route to just just do it. Um, Newcastle to Edinburgh, for example, along the coast, it's stunningly beautiful. Um, as a route, and really quiet and, and, and lovely, but it's not it's not all fully accessible, which is a real shame. So, there's, there's everywhere you go, there's work to be done and there's, there's improvements. But at the same time, there are stretches that are, that are fantastic. Um, and in the in the near future, we're hoping to to be able to improve the way that we can communicate with people around what is accessible, what's not accessible. Um, thinking about different needs, different health conditions, or impairment types for disabled people. For example, so that people have the confidence to be able to go, okay, I want to do this journey. Is is it suitable for me? And and hopefully then leave their door and go out and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you once again uh, for taking the time to speak to me, Tim. If people want to find out more
1: about Sustrans and, and the National Cycle Network as well, where should they go to to find out more? Uh, primarily our website. I believe so, people. Probably a Google search for Sustrans, um would be my first choice. And if you want to type it in, it's sastrans.org.uk. Fantastic. Thank you once again for coming on the podcast. No problem at all. Thank you for having me.